A few years back, my friend Justin Warner from Food Network moved out to South Dakota. He opened a ramen joint, and he is always posting pictures of all the great food he's not only cooking, but eating all over South Dakota. He's always telling me to come visit. And you know, one of the best ways to experience a new place is to eat your way through it. But it's equally important to live your way through it, too. And when you summer in South Dakota, you can fill up on all the lake days, hikes, rides, and small-town strolls that'll leave you with a regained sense of wonder and a hunger to do it all over again. See why there's so much South Dakota, so little time at Travel South Dakota. Daddy, how long will it take in, in, for you to invent this pasta that you've been talking about? Does it feel like it's taking a long time? Yeah, because um, a long, long time ago you were talking, you were talking about it, and now it's still here when you're trying to invent it, and taking like a month. Previously on the Sporkful's Mission Impossible. It's a complex noodle that you put together. I'd love to help you. I'd love to take your money. But in all good conscience, I can't tell you that you're going to get anywhere with this idea. Hello, this is Giovanni. Uh, hi, Giovanni. My name is Dan Pashman, and uh, I'm interested in getting a custom pasta die made. Okay. Hey, you guys, I have a pasta shape. You did? I have to say that that shape reminds me of absolutely nothing I've ever seen before. <laughs> this is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. Welcome to part four of Mission Impossible, my quest to invent a new pasta shape, actually get it made, and actually sell it. When we left off, it was March 2020. I had just finished designing my dye with Giovanni Canada, the only pasta dye maker working in America today. Remember, the dye is basically the mold for the shape. Mine will be made out of bronze. Giovanni told me he'd have the dye ready in about a month. But three months later, I'm still waiting. I call up Evan Kleiman, my pasta fairy godmother and spiritual advisor on this quest. All right, Evan, you ready for the latest update? Yes, I can't wait to hear Look, with the caveat that, like, with everything going on in the world, my pasta problems are meaningless. Yes. So my man Giovanni, the pasta dye designer, says that in the past nine weeks, dried pasta sales are up 40%. So they're a little busy right now. Yes. And so Giovanni has Fortune 50 companies that want new pasta dyes from him, like, yesterday. You're kidding on top of the fact that I can hardly get Giovanni to return my calls, he can't get any bronze. <laughs> because of coronavirus, the factories are all backed up. They're working skeleton crews. His normal place in Italy can't get him any bronze. There's a place in the Middle East that can't get him any. And so Giovanni says, look, I have no idea when I'm going to be able to get you a die. I then went to Sfolini, our pasta-making company, and begged them to give me an old die of theirs. So we are now attempting to use a hand-me-down die that Giovanni is going to repurpose for my new shape. You're a genius or a crazy man. Right. <laughs> it could be and. It doesn't have to be or. That's true. <laughs> As I tell Evan, Giovanni did finally start work on the die. In the process, he realized the shape doesn't work as it is. So remember, the shape is a mafalda, like a long, flat noodle with ruffles along the edges. And down the middle, there's a bucatini half tube sticking up. 
Giovanni can't get the dough to flow properly to form the half tube and ruffles at the same time. But he looked back through some of my other sketches that he had initially rejected, and he found an idea that makes the shape work. So keep picturing the concept I just described. Long, flat noodle, ruffles along the edges, bump down the middle. Imagine you slice the ruffles off both edges and reattach them to the bottom of the noodle at a 90-degree angle. It's sort of like a long table with the ruffles in two rows along the bottom of the noodle, like table legs. On the top of the table, sticking up, is that half-tube bump. It's all the same components of my previous concept, just brought together in a different way. That's the shape Giovanni is testing now. I send Evan a picture Giovanni sent me of one of the pieces. It's like, it's like a centipede. A centipede carrying a little house. Oh my God, you might have just named the shape, Evan. What's the Italian word for centipede? Oh, I don't remember. Hang on. But they're really scary there. <laughs> Italian word for centipede is centopiedi. Centopiedi. And they also have mille piedi. We'll put a pin in the name for now. Evan looks over the shape and quickly zeroes in on the angles. As I said, where the ruffles attach to the flat strip, it's a right angle. It reminds me of something I heard from Georges Lejeune, the architect I talked to a while back. He told me it's very hard to find pasta shapes with right angles. And Evan thinks this shape's right angles could be tooth sinkability city. What I love about this is because of the way they're attached to the flat part of the pasta is going to make it very meaty when you eat it. So, for example... I prefer spaghettoni to spaghetti. Spaghettoni is a a thicker spaghetti. And I think there's something about the way your tooth sinks into the extra thick wall of pasta that is unbelievably satisfying. It, It makes the eating experience like eating meat almost. There aren't very many pasta shapes that have those kinds of angles. I can't think of any. As I said earlier, I'm taking inspiration on my quest from Thomas Edison, who considered himself less an inventor, more a perfecter. With our initial concept nailed down, it's time to start perfecting. Giovanni finishes the dye and sends it back to Sfolini, the pasta company I'm working with. They begin testing out the dye, making rough draft versions of my shape. A few weeks later, I get Steve and Scott from Sfolini on the phone. Dan, you have like 700 pounds of samples, just so you know. You've already made 700 pounds of it? Yeah. We have to fill the dryer for it to like really know whether we got a decent product. Oh my God. The dryers are the size of a small room, which is why they had to make so much. So so just tell me like the very first time the pasta shape actually came through the dye and started going down the conveyor belts in your production line. What were you thinking? A new shape was born. <laughs> it was. There's nothing, there's nothing like it. That, that, I got to say, that was kind of cool to see. It always feels cool when you're doing something no one else is doing. If it catches on, it'll be even cooler. I was surprised how well it was coming together and how well the shape looked with the ridge on the back. It was been hard to imagine from all the sketches. So I was really surprised and pleasantly surprised by it. But the shape isn't perfect. Steve and Scott do have some concerns. Right now, they're making it about as long as your typical spaghetti or fettuccine. And that length is presenting problems. I thought the long noodle looked really nice, looked pretty, but to me, it's 
it would be too thick to eat really long. Like there's too much pasta. Yeah. Like the twirl ability of it on a fork isn't, I don't know if you can do that. And if it, you can twirl it, you're going to have this big like spool of pasta. Cause it's a pretty dense noodle. It's got volume. By twirl ability on a fork, I'm sure, Steve, you mean to say fork ability, which is the technical term we use. <laughs> yeah, whatever. That's when you, that's, is that what you call it when you spin it? Well, a fork ability is one of the, th- come on, Steve, how, do we have to go through this again? What I'm hearing is this. Scott thinks my shape might be too tooth sinkable, an overwhelming mouthful of dough. And Steve thinks it's not very forkable. It's very bulky. A single strand wrapped around your fork will look like a giant ball of tangled yarn with danglers everywhere. As for sauceability? I think just with those those two ruffles on top, that little groove repeated there has got some uh, sauceability potential. So this version is only meeting one of my three criteria. Not great. The guys add that the shape may create manufacturing problems. Because the ruffles stick out of one side, the noodles won't lay flat in a box. They're very bulky. A single box will be huge. They don't even know if their machine that puts the pasta in the box can handle it. As it is, that thing jams a lot. But Steve has a suggestion for a simple fix that he says will address that issue and improve both tooth sinkability and forkability. Switch from a long shape to a short one. About the length of a penne or ziti. Keep the design exactly the same. Just cut it shorter. Steve already played around with this idea and found a surprising benefit. The shorter cut makes the shape curl in a very unique way. Think about it. Most short shapes are either perfectly straight, like rigatoni, or perfect semicircles, like macaroni. But with this one, it curls more like half a heart or a comma. It's different. Scott thinks it's a winner. I think it looks just as beautiful and it seems a little more practical and can work with more dishes. I really had my heart set on a long shape. There's been less innovation in long shapes, and we all love twirling pasta on a fork. But I agree to consider a short one. Steve says he'll send me and Evan samples, long version and short. So a few days later... Kids! Guess what just arrived in the mail? Your pasta shape! Yay! That's right. Let's open the box. I gotta say, this moment, the moment where the first samples of my pasta actually arrive and I open the box and my family gets all excited. Oh, look at it. This is a moment I've been visualizing for two years. I wanna eat it! It looks just like how you wanted it to be. All right, let's cook this pasta and eat. Yeah! I cook up both the long and short versions. Deliciousness lies before me. <laughs> which, one, which one would you guys wanna try first? Oh, oh no! But as soon as I drain the water, uh, this is very disappointing. Because it's separating? Yeah, the ruffles are falling off. I mean, that's a big problem. On the long version especially, a third of all the ruffles come clean off the main strip when the pasta is cooked. Giovanni had told me that where the ruffles attach, it kind of pinches in. You need that. It helps make the ruffles. But it also means the connection point is thinner. In this case, too thin. I didn't think version one would be perfect, but I didn't expect it to literally disintegrate in front of me. And really, this is a symptom of a larger problem. I only cooked the pasta for seven minutes and it was mushy. The bucatini half tube fell flat. The shape is just flimsy. After the kids go to bed, Janie and I debrief. 
I kind of always anticipated that we would get to a point where we would have to test and retest and retest and refine and refine the shape itself. I just didn't expect to be so worn down by the time I got here. Yeah. It would be crazy to be like, okay, great. You know, on like the first or second shot, we got it. So it's going to have to go back and forth. We just have to, you know, keep trying. Is that the big motivational speech? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, we don't have coronavirus. We're staying safe. All we have to do is make a pasta shape. (laughs) (laughs) Janie's right. I got to quit my belly aching. A couple days later, I give Evan a call to see what she thought of the samples. My first impression was, oh, yeah, I'd buy this. Okay. That's a good first impression. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, like it wasn't, it wasn't a gratuitous Disneyland shape. I felt that it had integrity. This makes me feel very good because, as I've said, I don't want a gimmick. Evan says when she ate the pasta, she also saw the ruffles fall off. She noticed that it cooked very quickly, got too soft, didn't hold its shape well. So we're on the same page about all the issues. Then we get to the question of long versus short. I ask Evan for her take on the short one. I love that one. And I like how it looks kind of like a seahorse. So, so, so and, and what about the long one? What were your thoughts on the long one? The long one, I kind of knew the minute I saw it that it wouldn't be the shape for me. Why? Why? They're too wide to be like a fettuccine. I thought it would be ungainly. And was it? You want me to be honest? I haven't even cooked that one yet. I got to say, I did cook the long one. And I agree with Evan. It is ungainly. If you think about it, almost every long shape out there is either flat or if it's round, it has such a small diameter that it still lays flat. So you can get a nice size bite. But this shape with the big ruffles sticking out, it doesn't lay flat on the fork. It's like trying to twirl an old-fashioned telephone cord. It's just not forkable. And I'm worried about the manufacturing concerns that this Folini guy's raised. So I'm starting to see why there aren't as many long shapes. They're harder to produce and harder to eat. For all these reasons, I'm making a major decision. We're abandoning the long shape. Our pasta will be short. So version one was useful. It helped us decide on length. And I realized that all the problems with the shape are related. The ruffles are falling off because their connection points are too thin. The rest of the shape is turning soft and flat because, again, it's too thin to stay firm when cooked. We need to make the whole shape thicker. But in the super precise world of pasta dyes, this change is a big deal. Giovanni says it'll require redesigning the dye, which will cost $4,000, on top of the $5,000 I've already spent. And he's still way backed up with orders, so it's going to be a long time before he can get to this. Still, I give it the green light. What else am I going to do? In for a penne, in for a pound. I send Giovanni a brand of Mafalda from Italy, Gentile Mafalda. That was my favorite when I did my early testing. I say, make my shape the same thickness as this. So he bumps the thickness from 40 thousandths of an inch to 55 thousandths of an inch. In other words, I just spent $4,000 and pushed this project back months, all to add half the thickness of a credit card but I'm betting it'll be worth it. With this one change, we should be good to go. While I wait for version two, I shift my attention to some of the other decisions I still have to make. 
Remember the conversation I had with Steve and Scott when I first visited Spolini? You want an organic, non-organic? Like, I know you wanted a semolina pasta, but you want them all to come from America. You know, where would you see the price point? Like, what do you think you want to sell it at? During that visit, I really had no clue. But now it's getting to the point in the process where I got to get a clue. Fortunately, I have been doing some work on these questions. Earlier in 2020, I asked you to help me answer Scott's questions. I sent out a survey all about pasta. Sorry, I couldn't really tell you why I was asking, but you still responded. I call up Steve and Scott to share the results. All right. What, one more. What? Is one of you guys in a bathtub? What's going on? <laughs> oh, uh, I'm, we're wiping down. Uh, we're switching uh, the line from non-organic back to organic, so we're giving it a wipe, big wipe down. You're wiping off all the non-organic residue. Correct. Got it. Okay. Well, that relates to our conversation, so I guess that's relevant. So I'll let you off the hook, Steve. Even though I think you might be in the bath. <laughs> well, think about me. It's probably more pleasant to think about me cleaning a pasta machine than in the bathtub. So. Fair enough. Touche. So here are the results. You guys ready? Yep. We got, let me see, a total of about 3,000 responses so far. Among the people surveyed, only... said they always or usually buy organic dried pasta. 91% sometimes rarely or never buy organic pasta. Pretty far skewed. I'm kind of surprised it's that far big of a difference. So this decision's easy. We're going conventional, not organic. But there are a lot of conventional semolina flowers. Which one should we use? Well, as we learned at the pasta lab in North Dakota, if the semolina is a coarser grind, bigger particles, you'll get pasta with more flavor. And a coarser grind may also help the pasta stand up better to cooking, making it more tooth sinkable. Coarser semolina is a bit more expensive. But can you really put a price tag on tooth sinkability? I asked Steve to track down the coarsest semolina he can find. So he picks one from, where else? You guessed it, North Dakota. Steve would later tell me that when a guy from another pasta company came to tour Sfolini, he saw this stuff and said, whoa, that's some nice semolina. So we have our ingredients. Now we move on to the question of price. This one's a little trickier. We've already decided that since we're starting with such a small run, we're only going to sell the pasta on Sfolini's website, at least initially. On their site, Sfolini charges $5.99 for a pound of their basic organic pasta. But in our survey, most of you said you'd pay 3 to $4 for some sort of special pasta. And I want to keep the price down so as many people as possible can try it. So what's right? We decide we got to call in an expert. Yeah, I, I love pricing questions. <laughs> Scott and I hop on a Zoom with Dr. Bavia Mohan. She's an assistant professor in marketing at the University of San Francisco. Not only does she study pricing, she also worked for the supermarket chain Safeway. Professor Mohan starts by asking Scott, What does the cost structure look like? Is it on par with kind of your other pastas that are on the website? Is it more? Is it less? It's quite similar. The major difference that we're seeing here is that uh, the new pasta we're making is a non-organic one, and all of our Spallini pastas are organic. So the main cost differential here is the organic flour. Got it. As Scott tells Professor Mohan, when you add up ingredients, labor, the box itself, everything— one pack of Sfolini's organic pasta costs about $2.99 to produce. He estimates my pasta will cost $2.29 a box, about $0.70 cents less. 
That only accounts for the cost of making one box once we're up and running. It doesn't include the startup costs, what they've spent on testing or what I've spent on the die. Given that you know you have this 599 reference point on your website, why are you not going to use that for this new pasta? Well, from our, our standpoint, I think it's just the fact that it's non-organic. I, I understand that, you know, because it's not organic, you know, that is kind of one product attribute that you're not offering. But you are offering this new shape, this new innovation. We don't know what the incremental value of that is, kind of all of this work, the the Sporkful and Dan Pashman branding, right? There are these kind of other elements that this pasta has that others don't. Professor Mohan thinks we should charge $5.99, just like Sfolini's organic pastas. Now, I'm skeptical that my brand alone adds very much, but I do think she's right that the pasta will be special, which she says makes it more valuable. And she says we're adding value to our shape in another way, by being open about how it's made and what it costs to make it. This is actually the core of Professor Mohan's research, price transparency. We noticed a couple companies doing this. They would say, hey, this is the cost of producing a T-shirt. Our transportation costs were 50 cents. Labor costs were a dollar. This is our markup being super, super transparent. And we were wondering, what's the value of disclosing your costs? You're also disclosing your profit margin. That's a pretty risky thing to do. But we ran a, a field experiment and a bunch of lab studies. And we really consistently found that people were more willing to buy when companies were super transparent about their cost structure. They just thought that the company was more trusted. So, I mean, in some ways, this whole series is an exercise in price transparency. Absolutely. Is there research on on the idea of, of, of the role that a product's backstory plays in consumer decisions? So there's uh, some research looking at kind of underdog brands. Consumers really like brands that have this kind of like underdog backstory. Well, I think if 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 being an underdog helps, I think we've got that in spades, Scott. I've been told by every person close to me that this entire thing was a huge mistake. <laughs> well, I've heard those same things. <laughs> Professor Mohan is making a strong argument in favor of a higher price point, but I'm still really worried about charging too much. If this whole project is going to crash and burn, I want it to be because nobody liked the shape, not because nobody wanted to spend the money for it. And I keep thinking about a story Steve told me back when I first visited Folini. So when Scott and I used to do all of our own demos in Whole Foods, people used to come taste the pasta because we'd be preparing it for them. And then we'd watch them. They go, oh, this is great. Really like the taste. And then they'd go to the aisle They'd look at the price, they'd think about it, they'd look back at us, we'd be kind of watching them, pull it off, they'd take it, put it in their basket, and then we would watch the Whole Foods employee like 30 minutes later come back and restock it. I don't want that to happen to my pasta. So Professor Mohan has an idea. Is there a way that we could have differential pricing, right? Do we have some type of a mechanism where, you know, those who are already on the Sfolini page who are used to seeing the $5.99 price point, that's their reference price. They can buy your new pasta at $5.99, but your listeners who might be kind of willing to pay less, you know, pay less. So do we have a $5.99 retail price and then the promo code, you know, for, for your listeners so that they're effectively playing, you know, $3.99 or $4.99? Yes, I like this idea. I got to say, still feels high to me. I don't think I can get on board with that, but I can go along with $4.99. $4.99 plus a discount on top. I think people understand that organic typically costs more. And so if you say, look, the organic is $5.99 and the non-organic is $4.99, like it's $1 less. That just feels very logical. Like that seems like an easy explanation. How does that sound to everyone? Yeah, that works well for everybody. I mean, with that price point, when we've made it, when we've sold that many units, we can help recoup the shipping costs there. 
um, so the the customer doesn't have to pay them, but we they've purchased enough to enable us to help pay for it. That's pretty much the win-win we try to achieve. Professor, how does that sound to you? Yeah, that sounds great. Bottom line, we'll have a retail price of $4.99 with a 15% off coupon. With that discount, we'll make $1.95 on each box we sell. Shipping costs will eat into that a bit, but Scott says we'll be okay. We have our price. Now, we just need the shape. Just before Thanksgiving 2020, the dye arrives back at Sfolini, reworked to produce version two of my pasta. It'll be thicker, better, I'm confident this is the one. Or at least I am until I get a text from Steve at Sfolini that nearly brings me to tears. That's coming up, stick around. Ooh, advertisements, yummy. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, a business tripper, or a long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. They've got over 7,000 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels, and you will get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. I especially love those Cambria Hotels. They have locally inspired hotel bars with all kinds of specialty cocktails, downtown locations right in the center of all the action. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces. That way, if you're a business traveler, you'll be able to get all your work done. On-site restaurants, fantastic. And then at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles and great pools for the whole family and spacious rooms. I mean, if you have kids, you understand the importance of the pool. If you stay at a hotel with a pool, almost nothing else matters. Fortunately, all the choice hotels take care of all the other stuff too, but I mean, a pool is a great start. Whatever kind of vacation you're going on, whatever kind of travel you're doing, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. Hey, big Mission Impossible giveaway alert. We have decided to send one of you a special prize pack of various samples of my pasta, early versions that will never be available anywhere. So you too can experience the testing process. To enter to win, just sign up for our newsletter. Every week we send it out to let you know what we here at Team Sporkful are eating and reading. It's a great way to find new recipes and feed your brain. If you sign up by Friday, April 9th, you'll be entered into this and all our future giveaways. If you're already on our list, you're automatically entered. Sign up now at sporkful.com slash newsletter. Again, that's sporkful.com slash newsletter. Thanks. All right, back to the show. It's two days before Thanksgiving 2020. Steve from Sfolini has the reworked dye back from Giovanni, and he's ready to test it out. He starts making samples of version two. I'm on a walk with my daughter, Becky, and our dog, Sasha, when Steve texts me. All right, we got to get home. I have a major crisis with the pasta project. <gasps> That's so bad! What is it? <laughs> it has no ruffles. The shape with the ruffles has no ruffles. Well, Ma, why can't it just not have ruffles then? Then it's not the shape. Then you can just call it no ruffly eddy. <laughs> That way people will know there was supposed to be ruffles on it, but then there wasn't. As I said, Giovanni had explained that in order to make ruffles, you have to create a pinch at the spot where the ruffles connect to the rest of the shape. With version one of my pasta, the pinch was too extreme. The ruffles were falling off. Now it appears Giovanni has overcorrected. He was so focused on making sure the ruffles wouldn't fall off that he erased them. 
When we get home, I fill Janie in on the latest disaster. This is like this is like the eighth time that the pasta project has been a huge disaster. So I'm kind of over it. And the amount of effort and work you put into it, like, could have like, I don't know, created three new podcasts or something. <laughs> It's not just the amount of work that it is that's like, you know, there's like no days off, you know, there's a pandemic, the kids are home half the time and the emotional roller coaster of like, you know, you being like, okay, I think this is going to be good. And then, you know, 24 hours later, like this is a disaster. Everything sucks. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't really have any more emotional. I don't have excess emotions to console you over the pasta project right now. Sorry. Not Sorry. <laughs> Janie may want off this roller coaster, but at this point, I'm handcuffed to it. I text Giovanni. 30 seconds later, I still haven't heard back, so I call. As usual, he doesn't want me to record him, so I record myself afterwards. All right, I just got off the phone with Giovanni. <laughs> when, when, when I hit rock bottom and then when I feel like, like Giovanni just gives me hope again that it's going to be okay and that I, I get like euphoric. Ah, I'm not sleeping enough. <laughs> I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> I'm, I'm literally going out of my mind. <laughs> this is ridiculous. All right. Giovanni, I said, you know, he said, even with existing shapes, when a company wants to make a tiny modification, even that can take three or four revisions. So. Welcome to the world of pasta making. And Giovanni says, don't worry, Dan, you're in good hands. I'll take care of you. And I said, look, Giovanni, I have total confidence in your ability as a pasta dye maker. My concern at this point is time. Okay, I, I cannot just keep pushing this project back. It's now been three years. We pushed it back and pushed it back and pushed it back. And I just cannot go back to, to our whole team and be like, we're pushing it back again. It's going to be demoralizing. People are going to lose faith and they're just going to be like, what the hell? Like, forget it. This, you know, this is never going to happen. And Giovanni says, Dan, this is literally what I do every day. I do it for Campbell's. I do it for craft. It's going to be okay. I'm going to turn this around quickly for you. It's only going to take a week or two. Now, has he ever hit a deadline that he's promised me before? No. <laughs> but he always has a way of saying it that makes me feel like it's going to be okay. So maybe this time it's going to be okay. Wait. All right, I, I just talked to Giovanni. He he thinks he can fix it. He thinks he can get it done really quickly. Uh. See, this is this is the roller coaster that I can't handle. It's like I was just coming to tell you that I feel bad that I wasn't more compassionate earlier. There's a lot going on. And, you know, what can I do to help and make it better? And now it's like, no, everything's going to be okay now. And it's just like, this is not the emotional journey in my life I need right now. <laughs> Once I've calmed down a little, I decide I still want to try version two. I mean, I spent all this money and delayed the project months to make this version thicker. I want to get some idea if that half a credit card's thickness actually makes a difference. Steve ships out some samples to me and to Evan, and we both try them. 
Hello. Hey, Evan, this is version two. Don't worry about the fact that there are no ruffles on it. I'm working on that. How much closer do you think we are? I think you're there. I just think the ruffles are an afterthought. Well, I think the ruffles will add something. I mean, the shape as it is now, I've never seen a shape like that. I'm afraid of tinkering with it. Really? Yeah, like the ruffles to me will only add more risk of peel off. Okay. Well, that's a good note. I'm still a little hell-bent on the ruffles, but I understand what you're saying. I think that there is enough disparate kinds of chewing experiences held within this piece currently. You have these two distinct experiences of the thinner piece of pasta toward the edge chewing differently, but it also turns into bits in your mouth while you're still chewing the main part, which is very tooth sinkable, as you say. You've got a little bit of slipperiness along with the meatiness. Yes, totally. I mean, that's what got me excited about this is that I feel like you have different textures happening at once in this shape. The whole experience of eating it is very dynamic and varied. I just wanted to keep chewing it because it's an, it's an awfully thin uh, needle to thread, Evan, you know, which is to get some variation in different parts of the shape, uh, which is, I think we agree is a good thing. But if the variation becomes too extreme, then you end up with uneven cooking issues and you end up with crunchy bits and mushy bits. Yeah. Are you telling me that you feel like we've threaded that needle? Yes. This is huge. And now that the shape is thicker, the cooking time is longer, much longer. And this is one of the less obvious elements of tooth sinkability. It's not just how satisfying it is to bite into the pasta. It's how easy it is to cook the pasta just right for maximum tooth sinkability. Like with angel hair, I'm sure at some point in human history, some person cooked it for 74.836 seconds and it was fantastic. But for anyone who cooks it for 74.837 seconds, it's terrible. With version one of my pasta, if you left it in an extra 30 seconds, it was mush. With version two? The greatest positive attribute of this shape is how resistant it is to mushiness. Yeah, now this, is, this thing is built to last. Yeah. So understanding that most people who, who eat this pasta are not going to be chefs, what cooking time or range of times do you think we should put on the box? I think 15 to 18 is good. Yeah, I know. 15 to 18 minutes is a lot. But based on Evan's tests and mine, that's what we think is right. Still, I'm worried that cook time is going to seem outrageous to people. I think we should put something about it on the box to explain it. And really, this explanation is an opportunity to tell people why this shape is special. So I tell Evan what I'm thinking the box should say. It's going to say cook time 15 to 18 minutes with an asterisk. And then by the, as the asterisk below will say the shape's long cooking time is a function of its thick and ornate design, which produces subtle textural variations in different parts of the shape. This phenomenon, known to sensory scientists as dynamic contrast, has rarely been achieved in a pasta shape. You're nuts. <laughs> we'll work out the copy for the box. Right now, I'm feeling very good about this shape because I think we are really entering the upper echelons of tooth sinkability. I mean, we may be in uncharted territory already, and I believe the ruffles will take us even higher. So before we hang up, 
I make one last pitch to Evan about the ruffles. The, I think what the ruffles will add is um, they'll catch more sauce. They add a third textural component because ruffles feel nice inside your mouth. Um, they're delightful to eat. But it might be distracting. I mean, I know, I know you're going to go ahead and make the third version, and I'll, I'll be eager to, to taste it. All right. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate it. You're welcome, my dear. Evan's right. I'm going to get version three made. And good news, this time Giovanni comes through. He gets the latest revision back to Sfolini within weeks. In December 2020, version three arrives on my doorstep. It's got ruffles. It's looking good, but I can't know anything for sure until I cook it. I decide to test this one out on my own. No kids, no distractions. It's cooking up very nice and plump. So far, none of the ruffles are falling off. Okay, I'm sitting down with a plate of this pasta. And good news, I don't see any evidence of ruffles falling off. Well, we might have lost one. I, I can live with that. First, let me test forkability. Oh, yeah. I very easily fork, can fork two or three of these at once. They all stay on my fork. I think the thickness is working there. All right, now let's look at sauceability. I'm mixing it around. I got some meat sauce here. I, honestly, I could look at the diagram of this shape and tell you that it is off the charts in sauceability, but I'm just confirming it now. I mean, the, not only the ruffles hold sauce, but that trough in between the ruffles where you have the, the half tube, it's like a sauce trough. Now for the all-important tooth sinkability. For this one, I got to eat. Mm. The spot where the ruffles meet the flat strip is the spot that cooks a little bit less than everywhere else in the shape. But, I, you know, and if it's too big of a difference, that's a problem because you have like hard parts and mushy parts. You don't want that. But I think we may have it just right in between where it's just a slight difference in texture. The ruffles just like, there's just, every bite is different. I just can't stop eating it. As far as I'm concerned, this is it. This is it. We, we got it. We nailed the shape. I think it's done. But I've been working on this for so long, I'm worried I've lost all perspective. Do I even know what's good anymore? This Thursday in the series finale of Mission Impossible, I see what Evan thinks. I was really surprised, actually, that I reacted the way I did to version three. To get more feedback, I turned to an incredible assembly of all-stars, including Samin Nasrat, Kenji Lopez-Alt, Claire Saffitz, Bill Nye, Christopher Kimball, Sola L. Whaley, and more. I make some final, crucial decisions about my shape, including picking a name for it. Then I travel to Sfolini to watch the shape get made. But not before one more crisis. Please tell me you're joking. Uh, I'm not, I'm not joking. Too close to the deadline to be joking. And yes, the shape will go on sale. And we'll tell you how you can buy it. The finale drops this Thursday, March 18th. So make sure to check your feeds then, especially if you want to buy the pasta. 
To see all the versions of my pasta and much, much more from this series, follow me on Instagram at The Sporkful. And please spread the word about our series on social media. Tell your friends to give it a listen. Finally, make sure you get future episodes of our show. Please connect with us in your podcasting app. In Spotify, click follow. In Apple Podcasts, subscribe. In Stitcher, favorite. You can do it right now. Thanks. This show is produced by me, along with senior producer Emma Morgenstern and producer Andre Sohero. Our editor is Tracy Samuelson. Additional editing and production by Jared O'Connell, Peter Clowney, Daisy Rosario, Gofana Putubuele, and Sandy, Gianna Palmer, Nora Ritchie, and Daphne Chen. This show is mixed by Casey Holford. Theme music by Andrea Christensdotter. With additional music help from Black Label Music. Special thanks to Lauren Hale. And hey, shout out to Stitcher producer Harry Huggins, who's currently working on Bill Nye's podcast, Science Rules. Harry's the one who came up with the idea of naming this series Mission Impossible. Thank you, Harry. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Peter Clowney and Daisy Rosario. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. And this is Charlotte in Cologne, Germany, reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better. <laughs> <laughs>